hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Now, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And we're here thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, episode 172 of Two Bikes Talking Tech. My name's Trevor Long. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trevor Long and at eftm.com.au. And joining me each and every week, the other bloke talking tech, Stephen Fennick on Twitter with a PH and from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. How are you doing? G'day, Trev. Great to be with you once again. Great to be with you. With the wonders of FaceTime, uh, thanks to one of our listeners for suggesting that we try Absolutely, FaceTime. Yeah. Skype just wasn't cutting it, was it? No, look, they can go to heck. Well, we'll, see how, listening. we'll see how this 30, 30 minutes goes. <laughs> Lots to talk about this <laughs> week. talk too soon. Yeah, in the world of technology. Um, devices, interesting apps, um, some very interesting apps, in fact, this week, and uh a stealth launch from one of the biggest tech companies in the world. We'll uh, bring you all of that here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Now, I got a lot of conversation this week on the radio, and I think you probably did also, about the mm-hmm. uh, the Telsite research that um, we've both published on the websites but came out a couple of days ago. Um, Telsite is one of those analysts' firms that uh, you know analyzes the market and tries to offer Foresight, forecast insights into into a particular markets and a lot of data and information about technology sales, devices and different things, which helps, you know, determine where money is invested in different things. But very interesting when it comes to retail, because 1.8 million tablets, they say, were sold in Australia in the first half of 2014. That's 28% down, though, on the previous six months. Now, I say to that, fine, whatever, that was the Christmas six months. But what's interesting is, their observation that people are actually just holding back on the upgrade. And I think there's a lot of reason for that, and we'll talk about that in great detail. But I guess the other point, mate, um, that's most important here is that Apple just lost that top spot uh, in terms of percentage um, of market share. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was uh, surprising, I think, this, this, uh, these, these figures. Um, a- Apple, you're right, yeah, they, they dropped down. Uh, I think Android have pipped them by 1%. Uh, Android uh, as makes up 47% of the market. And you've got to remember, you've got all these companies that are running Android. You've got Samsung and Sony and LG and Zeus, all these other companies that are running Android devices uh, up against Apple on their own, 46%. So it's still not too bad. I think we, we may see that rise before the end of the year. Of course, there's a, a new iPad imminent in a, in a couple of months. We may, we're may we going to see the new iPad Air or whatever Apple happened to call it. iPad Air But too. I think, though, it's interesting that the number of people that are still using tablets in Australia, I, I think we got off to a great start. And we're only talking the last four years here, so we haven't got a lot of data to go back even further than that. But... It's still pretty healthy. Forty-eight percent of the population, ten point eight million people, uh, still own a tablet, are using tablets, and I think we've got to the stage now where all the early adopters have jumped in, and all the people who are caught in it early, they're still using that initial device. So I think the the, the fact that the iPads launched in the second half of the year may have something to do with that. Maybe people are waiting for that. Um, 
people are maybe spending more money concentrating, and the figures reflected this too, that the smartphone is now taking priority. They're, they're upgrading the smartphone and may put the tablet upgrade off to 2015. Yeah. I, now, I, there's a lot, a lot of variable parts to this, uh, but I think that the second half of the year is going to be a totally different story. Yeah, I think one of the things, you made a very good point, it's only been four years, so we have no great historical data. You look at PC sales, television sales, for example, those companies know how often we do this. You know, TV companies know that we upgrade seven to eight years, and Samsung reckons they're getting it down to about five years. PC manufacturers know we're holding on to PCs and laptops for, you know, four, four years or so. So what we're learning here is that tablets are not a smartphone. They are not an 18, 24-month contract-based device. And I look at my household, and yeah, I've got more than the average user, but we've got iPad 2s. We've, in fact, got a couple of iPad 1s still, which I use quite extensively. The iPad 2s the kids use. I just, I, I go to this survey, this data, and I say there is no compelling reason to upgrade. Now, this shocks a lot of people when I say it, but even Retina, to me, is not a reason to upgrade. It's beautiful and it's amazing. But my kids, you know, whether, you know, you've got older kids on Facebook or whether they're reading emails or whether my kids, you know, watching Frozen videos, my Retina doesn't make a huge difference. It's not a reason to upgrade. It's just a reason to choose that device when you do upgrade. And I think people just don't see a need to upgrade because everything's working so well. Even iOS 8 due next, next month will run on the iPad 2. So Yeah, no, you're right. And I think the iPad 2 you, you mentioned is the most, still the most popular tablet in the country. So a lot of people, that, what, that's, that's, a three, that's nearly a four-year-old tablet, three-year-old three tablet. So it's, mm. uh, it, it's, it's interesting, though, because last week, do you remember, we, we spoke about the Surface Pro, yep. Microsoft Surface Pro 3. And how that's being positioned not just as a tablet, but as the the new laptop, yep. the new form of laptop. Now, uh, you know, I, I think these figures though kind of validates Microsoft's approach there because if people are not wanting to upgrade because it's kind of they're all kind of doing the same thing, there there hasn't been a massive revolution. There's just been a slow evolution of the device. So is Microsoft, you think, pulling the right cord there where they're they're, they're loading it up? making it more powerful, making it as powerful as a laptop. Are they on the right path? Is that, is that what, what needs to be done here so that the tablets get a shot in the arm? Like, will, will Apple do that, for example, on, on the next version of the iPad, uh, keeping in mind that they also sell MacBook Air? So you, they kind of don't want to cannibalize each other there. What do, what do you think? I, I, don't think, I don't think anything gives it a shot in the arm other than time. You see, yeah. people have for, for months, probably even you know, a year, been you know signaling the death of Apple because of their sales figures and this. It's like, hang on, people. There's 10 million tablets been sold in Australia. 46% of Australians have a tablet. You've got to give Apple some credit for that, even though it's not entirely yeah. them. So they probably, probably more than anything, Tim Cook knows that he's not going to get people to change tablets every year or two. And he knows that, frankly, in about 12 to 18 months, there's going to be another big surge of iPad sales because, you know what, even if you're holding on an iPad 1, that's ridiculous. If you're holding on an iPad 2, that's a hand-me-down. So people are certainly going to upgrade in 12 to 18 months, and I think Apple will benefit from that as much, if not more, than anyone else. Yeah. Now, I, I remember I remember uh, the term, the post-PC era. Yeah. Remember that when that, that phrase was coined about how... You know, we're in the age of the smartphone, the tablet. You know, desktop sales are dropping, laptop sales are kind of you know dropping, keeping steady. 
you know, is this it has the post PC era era already faltered here? Like, mm. are, we, are we looking at uh, a kind of a saturation of sorts in this in this segment? No, uh, I don't, you know what? I think it's really interesting. It's it's not a saturation at all. It's a it's a it's a it's a formation. So you know, think back to when the PC was first built, right? And you had this slow build of it because it was such an expensive thing, and then there was a huge booster, and everyone had a personal computer. And that's the point where you reach critical mass and then you start the standard replacement cycle, right? So what's mm. happened in the last four years is the tablet market has been established in, in Australia specifically. Let's just talk about Australia. It's established. The, the, of the 10 million people who have tablets now, that, that, that's done, right? But the other 10 million, mate, half of them are kids for a start, but, but the yeah. rest of them just don't want a tablet. They don't see a need for a tablet. Incrementally, some of them will get tablets because they'll find a reason. But the people who have them and that market is established mm-hmm. over time, they will upgrade and there will be no, a right. standard you gotta, upgrade You've got to remember, too, that we're not talking smartphones here where everyone's got their own. Yeah. And often, and you may be an example here, where it's often a family that buys a tablet. Not everyone in the family has their own tablet. So I think we need to keep that in mind as well. Uh, I think that moving forward, the companies need to bear that in mind. They need They need to give families a reason to have more than one in the household and you know stats show also that tablets are kind of an at-home device there's only 20 percent of tablets are used outside that connect to 4g with sim cards and things Mm. like that so it's still essentially a device for the home uh and now that we're seeing you know the like the galaxy tab s was the most recent android uh tablet from samsung Super AMOLED screen, so that they've kind of Samsung have given themselves a path of progression. This is normally what Apple does with with their products. You see version one and all the things that are missing out of it. Version two has some of those. So in this case, Samsung have kind of taken a leaf out of Apple's book and really brought their profile up in the tablet space. The Galaxy Tab S, and you've seen it yourself. It's a great device. If you, it'd be the pick of the Android tablets at the moment. For sure. Hence the reason why they're catching up. So. Ball's very much in Apple's court here. I'm really keen to see what they're going to do, what their next move is going to be here. Apart from, you know, adding a, a fingerprint, a Touch ID fingerprint sensor to the iPad, which is probably a, a common rumor that, and, and likely uh, moved by Apple. Mm. I, I don't know what else, how, what else they can do to improve the device to to a point where people are going to start be, be lining up overnight to buy it again. I'll leave you with this, right? Even even whatever the next iPad is later this year, whatever whatever's different about it. I've got an iPad Air sitting here. It's a review unit from Apple, and, and I love turning it on and seeing it because it is beautiful compared to all the iPads I've got. The iPad Air, which is nearly a year old now, right? In one year from now, when someone with an iPad 2, I don't know, drops it and doesn't bother with the replacement of the screen because they may as well get a new one. When people walk in and look at the new iPad, the one that's the iPad Air that was out a year ago, mm-hmm. it'll be two years old in a year. It'll still be beautiful. It'll still mm. be so much better than what they've got now that it's an easy buy, right? So yeah. they don't actually need to revolutionize the market this year. They just need to keep going with these nice, subtle changes. And then three years on, every three years, four years, when people buy a new tablet, they'll still be blown away. And that's what yeah. everyone misses about Apple's plan is yeah. that they think about think about everything as a smartphone it's not mate tablets yeah you're right laptops, no. they're not I smartphones think, speaking of apple's plan though you, you tend to notice in the, in a lot of their marketing their, their tv commercials and things like that the focus isn't always on their actual device no. the focus is on the apps, apps and what you can do with it that's right 
that's really that. That's I think the massive strength of Apple in in both the iPhone and iPad. There's just this massive developer community. It's often first port of call for a developer. They often develop first for Apple. I think that's the strength moving forward. They've got to give developers more to work with. Like I think they need to let them get into the Touch ID uh, sensor side of things. So they let them. And they, they are because they're letting them into the keyboard, for that. example. The keyboard's going to be customizable. There is a little bit of that that Apple's doing. So. You know, the next 12 months is going to be very, very interesting. But, you know, these tablet sales data, it's available on both our websites, techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au from Telsite. A lot of great insight there into where we're going with tablet sales in this country. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, I thought it was uh, most unusual for Samsung, who normally likes to uh, really go to town on product launches, spare no expense global events. Uh, I found it quite surprising to hear that they'd actually quietly unveiled a new smartphone, uh, the Galaxy Alpha. Uh, But what I found as interesting as that is the timing of this release. Now, the Galaxy Alpha, for those who haven't heard of this yet, is a 6.7 millimeter thick smartphone with a 4.7-inch Super AMOLED screen. Now, the biggest difference as well from the Galaxy S range, so the S4, the S5, is that this is a metal phone. So it's got a metal frame, kind of taking a leaf out of the iPhone's book. Uh, so it doesn't. It, it sort of avoids that plastic feel to give it a more premium It's still got the same back, feel. though. Do you know what I mean? Like, it still has the same back. It's just got a metal edge around the, around the yeah, side. Yeah. I, I just think it's a it's only a half it's a half assed attempt in my opinion it's a half assed yeah, well, attempt at the metal the phone when you compare it to the HTC. For me though, is the timing of this. Now mm. this is going to be in market I think early September. Uh, you will probably see this at IFA. Might might be part of their unpacked event at IFA. Um, but the the timing of it is is what what everyone's talking about. Is this the device they're putting out to spoil iPhone sales? iPhone six, as we know well, reportedly is going to have an event on September the 9th with a likely on-sale date of September 19. Is this Samsung's spoiler? Uh, is this the one that's going to try to get in the way of those uh, of those sales? I think, if that's the case. So uh, Samsung have learned a lot from Apple, no doubt. Uh, the way they, they approach press releases, the way they approach all these different things. If this is their way of trying to do a spoiler, they've lost the plot because I don't think it is. I don't think it's... See, the problem is, mate, and with the greatest respect to all of our friends and colleagues in the tech media, mate, average mums and dads have got no idea this thing exists. None at all. You know, we can talk about it, but, you know, in terms of mass media coverage, which the iPhone 6 is getting still yeah. in droves. Even I mean, before it's launched, it's yeah. It's becoming, frankly, ridiculous, right? Now, even TMZ, the, the you know, gossip Hollywood website is is trying to trying <laughs> yeah, to show it. iPhone photos. I mean, it's becoming Incredible. ridiculous, yeah. yeah. Um, you- and, and and I just don't think that Samsung, if they want to, you know, somehow take away the the flair of the iPhone six's announcement, they need to do something a lot more than just add metal around the edges of this thing. Now, I I, I agree with that, but you know, you know, it, it's interesting to me the way Samsung approaches their marketing they don't act like a leader sometimes no. they're actually leaders in the smartphones they sell more phones than apple but they don't act like a leader mm. the reason i say that is you see some of their marketing is quite cheeky the most the most recent marketing 
was uh, was entitled Wall Huggers, mm. and it was it was sort of set at an airport where all the iPhone users, or you know, this is their ad saying this, all the iPhone users are all around the walls trying to get to the powerpoints to recharge their devices. That you know that they they mock people who are in line to buy the new iPhone. That uh, they had an ad, a cheeky ad, where there was this one guy who still had an iPhone. All his friends had the Galaxy S four, I think it was last year's phone, and. So, so to me, they, they they don't seem to be coming from a leadership position. They still like to throw rocks at Apple and just try to to ram home the point that they're that they're around. Mm. Uh, you know, whereas Apple, they don't they they they're the one who are acting like they're in the leadership position and sort of just talking about their own products and not never ever casting. Uh, in their marketing, anyway, never casting any uh, sort of having a crack at any other manufacturer. Well, the last thing uh, I'd say to the you, odd, they do do the odd crack from the stage, of keynotes of yeah, their yeah. Other, other companies. Absolutely, but their marketing is pure, and it's pure uh, about their own product. Though the only thing I'd say to you to to wrap this up is that Samsung did it felt to me like they're acting like leaders with their Galaxy S five. Australian advertising that was a whole built for Australia thing. There was no silly muckraking. It was just about a great phone that was waterproof. And it, it did, it was a little bit of a slide on the iPhone in the ad, but broadly, it was just a great ad that featured the waterproof nature of the phone. That was a good ad. That worked well. I think they should stick with that style marketing, and that's how they can continue to grow that market share and, and take business, yeah. you know, from the top of the pie. So, anyway, uh, lots to see, and you can check out that Samsung Galaxy Alpha at techguide.com.au. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. And if you want the absolute latest in home uh, networking, you need to check out the Netgear Nighthawk X6. Now, I spent a bit of time on the weekend fully installing the, the X6 into our home, you know, because it's not an easy thing. You've got you've to take the old one out, you've got to put the new one in, and then you've got to reset all your devices. And when you're uh, like the long household and you have over 30 devices simultaneously connected, you've got a lot of devices to reset. But here's what's really cool about the, the um, Netgear Nighthawk X6. When you've got three, three Wi-Fi networks, and those three networks allow you to differentiate your devices across those networks to create the best speed. Connect all of your hardwired devices, and then on your Wi-Fi network, connect your oldest and most basic devices to the, to the standard network, and then you've got two 5 gigahertz networks, which... Act smart. They have a smart connect feature, which means that the fastest devices connect to the fastest network and the slower devices connect to the slower network. And it actually creates a fast and slow network. Then it's an intelligent Wi-Fi that actually improves the signal within your home and for your devices. It's great technology um, with all the other great things about the Netgear uh, routers like beamforming and other services. Great product from Netgear. Netgear.com.au for more information. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, this one was a cracker. What do you do when you're a mum? Uh, little Johnny's at the park. Little bugger won't receive, return your calls. You ring, you ring, you ring. He won't return your calls. What do you do? You go and build an app that you put on his phone that means when he fails to return your calls or take your calls, the phone locks itself. And he can only do one of three things. He can ring emergency services if he's got a problem. He can put in a password if he knows it, but he doesn't. Or he can ring mum and say, hi, mum, what did you want? What's the password? And he can get back on Facebook and Instagram after he's got the password. It's a very smart idea um, that, that is getting a lot of publicity worldwide. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And you know what, Trevor? I'm. Uh, this is me at the moment. I've got three teenage kids. They've all got phones. They don't often return your call straight away. Sometimes not at all. You send them a text message. You crickets. They get nothing. <laughs> your your kids are a bit young at the moment, mate. But once they grow up, you'll yeah. appreciate this app. You will think, wow, this is a pretty cool uh, little creation. And good on the mother. She's uh, Sharon Standiford from Houston, Texas, who was a total like, like a non-techie person who thought, wow, this is a great idea. She did her research and came up with Ignore No More, and that is exactly what her kids are doing. So if they don't return her calls, she can re- remotely lock their phones, and the only way it could be unlocked is if they call her back. That is very, <laughs> very smart. It's a great idea. Um, look, to be to be very clear about it, it only works on Android devices. And reading the um, the, the comments and reviews of the app on the Google Play Store, it's, it's not every Android device. You know, when you're developing an app, as Stephen well knows with VoiceBite, the compatibility yep. issues are, are enormous. So a difficult one for anyone to develop. And the other thing is, a lot of people said to me on the radio, oh, when will this come to, to iOS? It won't. Because no, well, app, uh, I read it, it is coming soon to iOS it, you, later ma- this year. How is that possible? You, the, can you name a single app that does any level of control over the device outside of its own app? It's well, not it's, possible. Uh, it's, unless, unless it's, well, Find My Phone has has some sort of control like that. I, yeah, I, I don't but know Apple whether, runs whether Apple Find My Phone, right? So yeah. the, the Apple doesn't open, there'd be a million different Find My Phone clones if there was a way for a developer to take control of the phone in that way. Guarantee yeah. you. It's not something Apple makes available. No, I'm, 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 what I read about it was that it was coming soon to iOS. Not available yet, but hmm. who knows? I'll mark my words. When it comes to iOS, it won't do anything like what it does on Android. Yeah. Uh, and that's, the, that's unfortunately the problem well, with a closed system. I'll be able to trial it on my My kids all use iPhones, so I'll, I'll can try, I'll do a test. I'll do a review. Look forward <laughs> to the poor little buggers getting uh, annoyed and locked out <laughs> of their phones. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Uh, a very interesting announcement uh, in the wearable space. And wearables, as we, we are accustomed, we're accustomed to at the moment, are, are mainly things that are like watches and bracelets and things like that. But until now, headphones or in-ear headphones haven't really been considered wearables because all they were doing was just, just producing, just outputting audio. Well... That's all going to change. Uh, the interesting a partnership between rapper 50 Cent, Fiddy, and his company SMS Audio, they've actually partnered with Intel to produce biometric in-ear headphones. So in other words, these are headphones that work in the normal way. Uh, they can play your music and do all those sorts of things, but they can also re- monitor your heart rate and relay them to uh, to compatible apps on your phone, even popular exercising apps like RunKeeper and Endomondo, all those very popular apps. So th- this is sort of a, a, it's sending the headphone in a new direction. Now, research shows that a lot of people, especially people that are goal-orientated trainers and things like that, they like to take their heart rate, they listen to music, and so this is kind of a perfect storm of factors here where uh, you know, people like to listen to music while they're exercising, they want to get their heart rates, and this is coming out at just the right time. Look, it's not a, it's a great, great announcement. It's good to see Intel's getting into it. It's not the first time this kind of thing's been announced. I, mean, I think LG demonstrated yes, these they at did. CES. Yep. Uh, a great concept because the, the, the headphones are the ultimate wearable. Uh, you know, it's like it's the same reason why the watch is the right place to do things like smart technology because we wear watches now, right? So we wear headphones. What more can you do with that space? 
Very interesting stuff, and um, you can check that out also at techguide.com.au. Still a few things to get through before Stephen's Minute Reviews. And, mate, oh, I've got to say, uh, when Huawei um, announced uh, a couple <laughs> of devices uh, coming to, um, to Australia, I, I, I jumped straight on and said, oh, let me have a look. Um, they've done really nice things. I remember very clearly being impressed by Huawei at the at CES early this year. Um, two devices, the Ascend P7 and the Talkband B1. Now, quickly, the Ascend P7, bottom line, it's a, it's a reasonably affordable smartphone. This is a $549 device available at Harvey Norman that has, you know, a five-inch touchscreen. But let me tell you, mate, when I took it out of the box, I was blown away. I think the quality is very, very impressive it is um, a very glass-like phone, very much like the Sony Xperia. It has uh, edges around the side, very much like the iPhone. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful like phone, it. don't you think, mate? Yeah, I've had it for a few days myself. I'm very impressed with it. I think it's a it's a great mid-level device. Uh, it, it, the quality is incredible. It's only 6.1 millimeters thick. I think it's uh, got that five-inch screen, full HD touchscreen resolution as well. Uh, you know, I think Huawei, their, their design team, uh, really deserve a lot of credit. And you're right, it does look like the illegitimate son of a uh, of the iPhone and an <laughs> Xperia Z2. Uh, but, you know, I like it. I think it's a really good size for a device. It's it's a five-inch screen, but doesn't feel like a five-inch screen. Mm. Uh, it, it is the, the quality of the screen is very impressive. Uh, Huawei. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but no, no, they've really excelled themselves here. Really easy. I think it's what I like about it is there's not too much user interface. There's not too much too thick of a layer on top of Android. Yep. It's very they've kept it very simple, yep. so it's very approachable phone if you're coming to the smartphone for the first time. And the fact they've even launched it with a, a talk band, which is their activity tracker, uh, just goes to show that, that that Huawei are ready to play in the big leagues here and, and at, at an affordable price. I reckon this is a cracking phone for five forty nine. If you can afford that outright, it's it's an absolute top phone. The other thing is the is the talk bear. Now this reminded me distinctly of the of the Garmin Vivo Fit, mainly because of the kind of the I don't know just the shape of the band and the colours. But what it is is it's a small little device that uh, that fits into a band. But two very impressive things about it. Firstly, charging very much like the old Tom Tom or the, the existing Tom Tom um, uh, smartwatches that uh, that do GPS and everything. The actual USB is built into the band, so there's no additional ca- cradle or anything for charging. Just plug it straight in off the band. Secondly, um, the the steps monitoring and everything is good. It undercounts in in my view based on other other devices, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter because if you're using the same device, it, it counts the same every day. But it automatically monitors sleep which to me is an excellent feature. But, mate, there's a button on the side. You press the button because this thing pairs with your smartphone as a Bluetooth hands-free. You press the button on the side and out pops this little thing that flips into your ear and becomes your Bluetooth hands-free. Very smart, and it only works with the with Huawei's own phone or any. No, other. no, I'm using it with an iPhone. It's just, just it's you know what? Think of this little thing as a Plantronics Bluetooth earpiece that uh-huh. fits into your wristband and and monitors your steps and sleep. It's but you, very so very you can good. use this with your iPhone, including all your fitness aspects of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a standard fitness tracker. The uh, the Huawei um, uh, fitness app is installed on my phone. It synchronizes. Uh, it's called Talkband B1. Synchronizes wirelessly to show me my my steps and my sleep. And then it's a Bluetooth audio device. So when my phone rings, um, it, it vibrates on my wrist. I can look down and see the number of who's calling. And then I can press a button, flick it out, and put it in my ear. 
so I'm easy. unpacking it out of the box as we speak, Trevor. I got it a couple of days ago. You are gonna, <laughs> you're gonna. Seriously, it's it's one of those things where you go, well, that's just so smart. That's just very smart. <laughs> so it's an impressive little thing. It's uh, about 179 from memory at Dick Smith. Uh, blue, black, graphite, black, graphite, graphite, grey. Um, look, a great little product. This you know, fitness area is huge, obviously at the moment. So. Um, you know, Huawei is certainly someone not to be messed with at this point. Um, I'm very impressed with these two products, and uh, I think we'll both have uh, reviews of those in the coming days and weeks, uh, either at techguide.com.au or eftm.com.au. Well, LG have uh, pre-announced a, a, a product that we're, we're going to be seeing at IFA. That's that consumer electronics show that's on uh, in Berlin every year. And this is, uh, I think, it's going to have a lot of appeal to professionals and also to gamers. And it's an ultra-wide, 34-inch, 21 by 9 curved monitor. <laughs> so we've heard of curved TVs. Uh, the LG have even produced a curved smartphone, but now they've come up with a curved monitor. And I wrote this on Tech Guide uh, today, and I've had a lot of people saying, I want one. This has uh, <laughs> got quad HD resolution, which is 3440 by 1440. Uh, it supports Thunderbolt 2, so you can connect this to a Mac or a PC. And if you're a gamer, there's even features built in so that the response rate is really fast. The refresh rate uh, is, is, is a lot smoother. So anyone who's playing a game, it's got a dynamic action sync mode. So it reduces any input lag. So if you're a full-on gamer, this is the monitor for you. Very nice stuff. You can check it out at uh, techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, there are some interesting people developing apps, uh, not the least our very own uh, Stephen Fennick, <laughs> uh, with VoiceBite, which is going very well, and uh, encourage yep. people to grab that and have a look. But uh, this week, the announcement um, from Tom Hanks. Now, Tom Hanks developing an app, you'd think, well, what's that going to be? I mean, what's Tom Hanks doing an app for uh, Forrest Gump? In fact, there is a, a Run Forest Run app, I will say, but this is not this. What this one is, is this. It's a Fennigam typewriter for your iPad. Yeah. The Hanks Writer, H-A-N-N-X is all you need to search for. And it's a document uh, writer, so it's a good old-fashioned. Uh, I can type here, two blokes talking tech. <laughs> How cool is it? It's very cool. Although It, it doesn't... is very good. Uh, for those for those listening who probably don't remember typewriters, uh, they were those things... Back when your journalist before, days early on. That's right. Well, now even when I was a journalist early on, they'd already moved into computers. So true, the the, old, the older journos remember the, the the newsroom clacking keys with the the manual typewriters. I think this is a really cool uh, app to sort of take a lot of people, give them a trip down memory lane. What I like about it, though, is the fact that you can go full old school and turn off the delete key. You can turn off the cursor. So you're kind of left to your own devices like you would be with an actual typewriter. Mm. You can even download different typewriters, which have got their own little characteristics. That, that, that's as a, an in-app purchase. Mm. But, uh, you know, it, it does produce uh, documents, so you can use this as a as your word processor. It is free. Only, the only cost is if you want to download those added typewriters. But uh, good on Tom Hanks. He sees there's a there's a market here. And, you know, if a, if a two-time Oscar winner thinks there's a market there, I think people should check it out. My only problem, there's no ding when you hit hit the end yes, of the page. Uh, yeah, ding. Shouldn't it go ding <laughs> You have to add that yourself. Ding. 
I think that's a bit disappointing. It's a four out of five from my book in that regard. <laughs> Add the ding and I'll give you five stars, Tom, and you're welcome as the third bloke talking tech any day of the week. Running into overtime, but let's kick into those minute reviews. I have no idea what this is. How did I miss this on Tech Guide? The longboard? Yes, it is. Not just any longboard. Well, longboard's another name for a long skateboard. Just think of this as a motorized skateboard. The Ego Is it a hovercraft? From, uh, from, no, it's not a hoverboard. No, uh. not back to the, quite back to the future too just yet, but not, not far off it. This has got a 400-watt motor and a battery so that you could be powering down the street at speeds of up to 20 kilometres per hour. So it's kind of a an urban transport solution. For those people who need to zip around town and get from one place to the other, obviously you're not going to use it to replace your daily commute uh, if you do go a long way, but it is handy if you want to sort of head down to the shops, head down to the cafe. I use it down the park. Uh, when, when I first jumped on, it's, it's, it's nearly a metre long, so it's quite easy to get your balance. If you've ridden a skateboard in the past, you pick this up in a, like a breeze. It's controlled. Uh, there's a handheld controller that's got a throttle switch, so pushing it upwards is accelerating, pushing it down is decelerating. It also you can also pair it with an iPhone app that can do the same thing. the The difference with the app is that you can actually have a there's a speedometer on the screen tells you how far long your battery's got to go and how far you've travelled. So a, a very handy way to get around. Uh, it, it is as I said. It, it's a, so if you haven't ridden a skateboard before, you're gonna there's gonna be a steep learning curve if you are. Are a, have ridden a skateboard before still the same things involved you've got to navigate around the different cracks and things on the on your path uh, it also goes up inclines up, uh, up to 10 10 degree inclines and it's recommended for people around 100 100 kilos or less i weigh slightly more than that and it's still handled my weight easy even up hills so worth checking out if you're a skateboarder and you want to make that trip a little bit easier with a motor. You can also ride it freestyle if your battery happens to conk out and you're still not home. You can ride it freestyle still. What you can't do, you can't perform all those tricks and grinds and all that because there's a lot of hardware underneath the board that you might damage. But overall, a lovely thing to ride, the Ego Longboard. A lot of fun. can get you from A to B. Price at seven forty nine ninety nine. And I don't know about you listeners, but all of that description painted a very interesting picture in my head of Stephen at the park riding the longboard. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen. But he went from the park to the golf course and uh, slapped on the Approach S6. This is a very good watch from Garmin. It is, yes. I spent a lot of uh, time outdoors reviewing this week and uh, the Garmin Approach S6. Now, I need all the help I can get on the golf course and the S6 really does deliver a lot of information right there on your wrist. It gives you distances, very accurate distances, I might add, to uh, the, the, the hole, to the hazards. You can have layup distances and all of that. But what impressed me even further was that it can help you off the course as well. Uh, my problem is I tried my, my, my backswing's okay, my downswing's too fast, and the two blokes have been at the driving range and Trevor's seen this firsthand. I can try to hit the ball too hard, which the, the, all these things combine to make your your swing inconsistent. But they've, the, the Garmin's got two features. One's called tempo training and one's called swing strength that can actually help you in both of these areas. So if you are 
too fast on your downswing, trying to smash the ball too hard. There are little things, little trainers on this watch and being positioned on your wrist, it's in a perfect spot to judge your swing that can help you find that rhythm and just hit the ball the right way. Uh, that, that, have, that being said, it did really help me a lot, this one. It sort of taught me the tempo that I need to be in. When I got out on the course, then it, I, I did actually play a little bit better. But a lot of errant shots, and it's not uncommon for me to hit one you know, pretty wide out and not be able to see the green. One feature I really like was the pin pointer. So in, normally I'd have to go to the to a point where I could see the flag and then sort of create a target, try to judge the distance. With the pin pointer, it actually tells you what direction the flag is and also tells you the distance. So that really helped me out a lot. Uh, for those who like to measure their tee shots, if you hit a really good tee shot, there's also a measuring tool where you click it on, on the tee. By the time you get to your ball, it measures how far you've hit that uh, you've hit that drive. So you get bragging rights in the mm. clubhouse. The Approach S6 available now. It's four hundred and ninety nine dollars. But if you're a serious golfer, golfers won't blink once if they know a product can help their game. This is worth the money if you're a serious golfer and want to shoot the best scores of your life. A Garmin Approach S6. And the full review is at techguide.com.au. And if you want to check it out, there will be an EFTM golf day at the Thornley Golf Club probably mid-September. I'll, we'll have details here on Two Blocks Talking Tech. I might even get the big Stephen Fennick down there to hit some balls yep. with you. Uh, we're going to have a few listeners down there and um, see whether we can all have a go at the uh, Approach S6 and maybe give one or two away. Uh, later on this month on uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, well, that's uh, not a bad experiment, mate. FaceTime, not too bad. I think the listeners will probably agree. Uh, consistent quality, a few little clicks and bumps. Um, but um, I, I could get used to that. But we'll, we'll, see yep. what the, we'll see what the listeners think with the Ziggy Zaggy um, and FaceTime hashtags yep. this week. Thank you for your tweets. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for visiting our websites. It's uh, how we continue to do what we do. Um, if you want to uh, read all Stephen's reviews, go to techguide.com.au. Check him out on Twitter, at Stephen Fennick with a PH. Jump on my my website, eftm.com.au, or follow me at Trevor Long. Stephen, we shall talk next week. We most certainly. Thank you, Trevor.